0: hey uh that's a pretty sweet mug there ben sure is what tell me about it what is it
1: um it's a big old cup of mind your business (laughs) (laughs) oh no actually it's a really nice mug um it's it's also got the hired gun qr code on it it's pretty sweet i dig it
0: we're moving into merch territory merch territory freelancing why is everyone racing to the bottom I understand why these platforms exist. One, we know how hard it is to find our first clients. Oh, for sure. It sucks, right? Yeah. Like you think that you just need the easy button, right?
1: <laughs> well, and like everybody always thinks about it and they're like, I just got to find a client. Mm-hmm. So I'm just going to go out there and one's going to magically show up. And even like when you know people, when we were first getting started, there was a whole list of people that were supportive and they're like, hey, we need to talk. I want to build an app. Mm-hmm. And like none of them panned out <laughs> so it's hard to get started because it's scary yeah for sure
0: it's easy when you you think that freelancing sites like upwork or fiverr when you're hiring talent it's going to be easier to find it which it is especially like if you're not in the circle that you're hiring for yeah for sure so if you don't know where to find people you're going to just instinctively go to these channels right
1: Well, yeah, I mean, it's just like with anything else. If you don't know the right spot to look, where does everybody go? Mm -hmm. Hey, I need something. I'm going to go to Amazon.
0: How many clients do we talk to that have failed projects from (laughs) freelance platforms? (laughs)
1: Probably my favorite one so far um, of all time is this, this potential client that we talked to where she said that she'd been trying to build this thing that she wanted built for like literally years, she had this string of failed um, freelancers from like Upwork and Fiverr and all of these other sites, and even a couple of personal contacts. And then the most recent one told her flat out, "I'm sick. I can't finish the job. I think Spy <laughs> like, just like disappeared.
0: You're like just you're sick forever, <laughs> or what? What? That is
1: that is a terminal
0: cold right there. I don't know what."
1: don't know what your problem is, but like you run into that kind of stuff where they just drop the ball or they ghost you, they disappear. And that's a major risk that you have going on those platforms. Um, And like you were saying, it's hard to know where to look. And with the Amazon point, the problem is that when everybody's looking for talent, immediately what they kind of go towards in the beginning is they look for decent talent, but they also want whatever's cheapest.
0: Yeah, and then that forces the talent who you actually don't want to be the discount version, right? You still want quality work from them. Oh, for sure. So they're undercutting their hourly rate just to land projects Mm -hmm. because freelancing, you have to build your name before you start even getting work. So you work for way less than you're worth, and honestly, you probably will not give a shit about the project you're working on eventually, the first couple might be exciting, but then you realize like if you're always giving a 50 to 75% discount on what your actual labor is worth, you're not going to care. You're not going to deliver high expectations anymore. Yeah.
1: And especially like early on where freelancers are just starting out and, you know, I've been doing this for three months and I'm trying to get this going, but I'm making no money. And they're trying to get out of like that nine to five, which is what most freelancers are trying to do suddenly the nine to five looks attractive because at least they're going to get paid what they're worth and you can only put off bills so long and so they kind of give up because they're in this race to the bottom
0: and like to your point with that being said like when you're constantly i'm just gonna wait for that truck. it's fine when you're constantly being beat out by competitors with less quality work and you know that they're not as skilled as you, just because they'll undercut you every time. So the only way you're landing work now is you have to undercut someone who's not as skilled as you.
1: Yep, and it really ruins everything for the freelancer. And the business person that's looking for work is also getting screwed by this whole setup because now they are only seeing the lower quality talent, they're only getting the lower quality talent, and it's hard to kind of differentiate that because most customers aren't even gonna know how to tell what the difference is between what they're getting, especially with software. Because first off, programmers are all opinionated. And I have not met a software engineer who did not look at somebody else's work and go, well, this person is an idiot. Right. Like anytime you inherit
0: code, you just want to like, what? Because you don't understand it or you wouldn't do it that way. So you're going to knock it, right?
1: Yeah. And clearly your way is the only way. Um, But they have a really hard time dealing with that and they can't really tell what they're getting and they can't tell the difference between the cheapest option and what you would deliver.
0: Like Honestly, these platforms kind of set up everybody for failure. Yes. Because the client doesn't know, well, they're trained to go for the cheapest, right? Mm -hmm. Highest ranking, cheapest hourly rate. They have to be good.
1: Yeah, and like (laughs) it's this vicious cycle because the cheapest person Gets the work. So they get the reviews. Meanwhile, the not cheapest person is sitting there. Like, when am I going to get work? What do I got to do? Who do I have to kill to get a freelancing job here? Mm -hmm. And they're not getting the reviews, but everybody's seeing, I got a five star review because I left this a week after it got completed. And I haven't run into the bugs yet that I'm going to end up hiring this other person to do anyways. Yeah. (laughs) And so they're not getting any work they're getting nothing and this person that is the cheapest option is getting these five-star reviews at the time of delivery and so they're getting pushed for hey hire this person their work is great it can be really hard to communicate to potential clients with what little attention they're going to get during the proposal like when you go to apply for these jobs from the freelancer side you have to submit a proposal you're hoping that they hire you it's kind of like submitting for a job you send in your resume yeah. And you've got maybe 5 seconds and, of this person's attention.
0: And you're doing like like 20 plus a day, like proposals are not easy. No. <laughs> they take and a lot of time.
1: Especially if you follow the advice that a lot of the gurus of these platforms give, which is you don't want to send out and and I mean this is true, but you don't want to send out a template Proposal to everybody because everybody can tell it's a template. It feels cold and it's going to get ignored and all of that stuff so Like me as a freelancer, I'm sitting there writing out 20 plus customized proposals a day and that's literally all I'm doing and Not hearing back from anything. Well,
0: and then all the advice you get is like well just spend half your day doing that and the other half working That sounds horrible (laughs) to me. Like you don't actually get to do what you love. You're just chasing potential clients down over and over. And if you don't race to the bottom, you'll never get them.
1: Yeah. And everybody focuses on like, you need these tiny little details in your proposal to get their attention. Because like I was saying, you got five seconds ish. And it's kind of like when you're hiring for something and you're comparing resumes side to side, you can get kind of a feel for somebody based on the differences and based on what they say in there. But it's also important to remember that no matter what people can work in high profile jobs and have fancy titles and still suck at their job.
0: Yeah. very true. Big time.
1: And it's hard to get a feel for that. Like, yes, you've got the option of a portfolio, but a lot of people don't even bother looking at those. And especially with software, how to the layman, to somebody who's not technical, Take you, for example. You're mostly a backend developer. Yeah. Now, you've got your YouTube channel. You've got all this other stuff going on. And that is social proof, which is something that's super important for this. But your average backend developer who does not have a YouTube channel, who does not have all that stuff, what are they going to show a client, a potential potential client, that this potential client is going to understand?
0: Dude, it's so hard. Because you're either... Flaunting your skills, right? Like, hey, look, I can set up your DevOps. I can do Postgres databases or, you know, I write Elixir APIs. Those are all great words, right? But Mm -hmm. no one can see your work. I can't like, I can show them apps that I've done, right? But (laughs) it's actually like, if it's connected to my API, great. Like it might be responsive, but they still, they have no idea.
1: (laughs) See all the data in this table? Yeah. I, I put that there.
0: I show my yeah. tables. <laughs> Be like, do you see how flattened out this object is? It's beautiful. It's hot. You should see the relationships between these two tables.
1: <laughs> this one time I shaved
0: 0.13 seconds off the query. My right? favorite is a joiner table. <laughs> 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 like no one knows any of this stuff. It is hard. Join and. I was so reluctant to do other means to get attention to myself for a very long time. It's like, it's a lot of work to do YouTube videos, podcasts, write proposals for people (laughs) and work on your day job.
1: Right. And what a lot of people do as a strategy to get work is like you were saying, you've got to undercut them, but they do more than undercut because when you don't have the reviews there, when you don't have the social proof and it's a lot harder Because, we'll we'll talk about it more in a second, but you can't really contact people or give them links where they can contact you outside of that platform. So it's hard to give any social proof. So when you don't have those reviews, what often happens is people will reach out in their proposals and they will say, hey, normally I would charge you $1,500 to do this, but I really need your review. So I'm going to do it for a Subway sandwich. If you will give me a five star review. Yeah. And you got to build up that library of reviews. And it's a whole process. And there's this guy that I follow on a couple of different forms of social media Instagram, TikTok, and LinkedIn. Uh his name's James Brindle. And he did a really great video on how you can make money on these platforms. He he is he is a pretty heavyweight kind of guy in terms of the work that he does. He's worked with major brands like Google for example. And he has made over 100k on Upwork alone. But the point that he brings up is he wouldn't recommend it. Yeah. Like yes, he's made $100,000 on this platform. But he posits that your time would be better spent just building your business elsewhere. Yeah. And not fighting this fight because even him with all of these clients with all of this stuff he was new to Upwork and basically are starting from scratch there. So he comes on to Upwork and him with all of his experience and with all of these clients, he's still got to reach out to people and go, Hey, I really need the work. So please hire me and I will cut 50% off. Yeah. And he was like, eventually I, you know, eventually after I've got a library of reviews, I go back to my normal rate. But, for the couple of months that it took to get there, I was working for way less than I should have. And so that's one of the problems there. And another is that using these platforms is also super risky. It can actually prevent your business from growing. And part of that is you're putting yourself and your agency, if you have one, at risk by having a dependency there. Like, what happens if I build this business on Upwork, and for whatever reason, Upwork shuts down today, yeah, I or mean, my or my profile gets banned for whatever reason, or they remove me from the platform, right? Like, what happens then?
0: Yeah, well, and just like that, like any business where you're like fully, um, not what, what's the word I'm looking for, where, where you solely rely on like third party. Things and it's only one. Like if it's only Upwork, what do you do if they shut down? It's so dangerous. Yeah. And then like when you we were, pause for a second, uh, yeah, yeah. All and right.
1: then you were about to say
0: something. Sorry, guys, we were interrupted. Let's get our shit back together. But yeah, but if one of the platforms shut down and it's your sole income, you're mm-hmm. screwed, right? And uh, that gets me into like the uh, the terms of service. Like you don't have any way to communicate with any of your clients from these platforms outside of the platform. So if it shuts down, you don't have access to your clients anymore.
1: Yeah, and I mean, I haven't looked into it myself, but the number that I had heard from somebody on YouTube talking about their experience with this situation of they had to talk to their clients outside of the platform they were using because it wasn't working out at the time. Mm -hmm. It cost them, according to them, like eighteen to twenty thousand dollars to buy the rights to talk to this client outside of the platform.
0: That's insane. You can't even build your own client list, and so if you put all this effort, you know, you're lowballing, you're racing to the bottom with all your with all your proposals, right? Just to get reviews, and then let's pretend the platform shuts down overnight. You have nothing to show for it, and now you have to start your own like dev shop or freelancing service without a client list.
1: Yep. And it's, and even if the platform shut down, there's always that fear of legal repercussions. If they, if you went after the clients or if they came after you and what was left of the company came after you, like with that situation of my profile got blocked or whatever, Mm -hmm. that's a real concern because the platform still exists. Um, And with, the whole rating idea, that's another problem. I've heard a lot of Upwork experts talk about how you need a five-star rating, and that's true, and it needs to be no lower than like 4.8-ish. Otherwise, people get concerns and, it, and your life gets hard, um, and not having that can really sink your business. Even if your business is amazing and you do everything right, we've all had those clients or those customers who are a little more difficult, Should we, is that a nice way to put it? That's a nice way to put it. (laughs) It's a very nice and not explicit rating. (laughs) There
0: are like, you know, a handful of clients you wouldn't grab a beer with.
1: (laughs) (laughs) When the contract ends, you breathe a sigh of relief and block them.
0: (laughs) And you're like, and our feature is frozen. (laughs) Feature freeze.
1: (laughs) Um, But you know, having those clients, even if you've done everything right, that one client can still sink your business. Like they give you a one star rating. And especially early on that can take, you know, if you've got five jobs yeah, and four of them are five stars and they loved your work and one of them is a one star, you just sank. your Yeah. Rating.
0: One star like weighted at like 25% at that point or, yep. you know, like, yeah. I
1: mean, it'd be 20%. But
0: did you say four?
1: I said five clients.
0: I never claimed to be one good at math. One out of five. <laughs> by, it's
1: okay. It's not like he does back end or anything where calculations are It's not like an important. engineer or anything.
0: <laughs>
1: <laughs> um, but anyways, you know, you just sank your rating yeah. with one client. Um, so that's also a concern with those. Like when you're running your own business, you can manage that stuff and you can get ahead of it and you can take care of it in review sections or reply or whatever. Mm -hmm. It's not like you really have that option um, with these platforms. Yeah. And another thing is like speaking about tailoring your business and having, having to run it off of these platforms is you're going to end up tailoring your business and the services that you offer to whatever the pace and the expectation of that platform is. Um. A lot of agencies and freelancers don't really have time to spread themselves across everything. It's pretty rare that you find somebody who's on Upwork and Fiverr and this website and a whole slew of them and running their own lead generation. It's just too hard for them to do and it's not efficient. So you're going to be working off of probably one of them. And if you're on Fiverr, you're tailoring what you do to match the style of Fiverr, which is products as a service. Like you build out this product based on what you do. It's more of a, I will build you a backend for Mm $1,000 and people go and buy your product. Whereas Upwork, it's more of the, hey, tell me about your project and I'll get you a bid. But even then, it's hard to bid on those because you run into a lot of the same problems that you run into with clients you're working with outside of that platform, but you're more limited. Like, it's hard to get all of the details that you're going to need to build out a bid. Yeah, and they, without submitting a bid,
0: they expect like a full proposal off, usually very vague requirements. Yeah, you're like, what do you want? <laughs> so, and, and you can't communicate with them without submitting a proposal. Yep. So
1: so you have to you and have on to top of that you're getting charged guess? for submitting the proposal. Right. Oh,
0: that's right. Dude, that was so that pissed me off when like Upwork <laughs> started charging like to know that you're a serious freelancer.
1: To know that we're into it, we're going to charge you a monthly fee. But if you we're really want to be seen <laughs>
0: You have to add, you have to add extra carrots <laughs> to your <laughs> proposal, and you can you can add more than we're asking, and we'll put you at the top of the list.
1: <laughs> yeah, it's it's very pay to play. Carrots
0: and are dollars. <laughs> That's real. A... <laughs> <laughs> Thank you for clarifying. <laughs> I have to tip. Imagine an
1: online service, and they're like, We're literally going to ship
0: more carrots on your behalf. (laughs) We uh, charge our freelancers. Your client
1: is a horse.
0: (laughs) (laughs) We have to actually tip our possibly future clients just to look at our proposals. Like it's the most backwards thing ever. It is
1: not a great setup. Yeah. So there are all kinds of problems with those and that's really kind of why we stopped using Fiverr and Upwork to try and find clients to begin with.
0: Yeah. We we first started HGA we weren't getting anything. We weren't even getting talks, or we would, and we would get ghosted. Like so, we like kind of hit a panic mode, right? Yeah, and we're like, we'll do everything. So, <laughs> well, we... and
1: people had like these ridiculous expectations. Like mm-hmm. from the game development side of it, I was getting, "You're invited to apply for this job," where somebody wants a Call of Duty clone, and their whole budget is $500.
0: Ooh. Um, <laughs> like
1: no. Yeah. That's, so that's not enough for the designs.
0: I want to say Ben and I gave Upwork and Fiverr as a studio, mind you, not individual freelancers. Yeah. We gave it a month. And I honestly think we took it seriously for a week. Yeah. And then it was just it was garbage because we were Making proposals, you know, that take you 30 minutes to write and to vague requirements and we don't actually know what they want. And we, we uh, you know, our time is valuable and we deliver quality work and we're proud of our work. So we bid our fair rate. And so we were very quickly overlooked because we had realistic numbers on building <laughs> entire apps and platforms. Yeah, like that
1: one guy, um, his app, gosh, what was it? It was some travel, like, almost Uber-like thing. Um, I'm trying to remember. Oh, yeah. Details. But anyways, it was like
0: a – I want to say it was, like, a food truck Yeah, app. Or something like
1: something. that. But his budget was, like, $6,000 for the whole app, which, I mean, to somebody who's new to everything and has never seen the actual cost of software development before – that might sound reasonable. I don't know.
0: I think we swooped in with a nice $86,000 <laughs> <Right>? quote.
1: <laughs> and he was getting quotes for that number. Mm-hmm. Yeah. But based on all the features that he was talking about, even being generous and vague with it, we priced it out and we were like, no, there's no this way. Is, this is going to be almost hundred grand." Right. And, probably, and we underbid. Yeah. We underbid. We even we were talked like, let's about. Go low.
0: Let's go low because it's still going to be out of the freaking ballpark.
1: Yeah and i'm sure he probably got some work done but it goes back to that quality thing and when you're looking at what do i invest into my business that's a very real thing yeah like it's kind of like if somebody was starting a, vi- a li- they were they were opening a production studio they were going to take video for people they were going to make edits and they were like you know what <clears throat> these mics are out of my price range and I don't really have the money for like a super nice camera. So instead we're going to use the built-in mic on a 1080p Logitech.
0: I was going to suggest a, a can and a string. Oh, perfect. Yeah, <laughs>
1: that's perfect. Yeah, that works too. But, but I <laughs> can't afford the can. <laughs> and instead of having a space to film, um, cause they're too expensive. I did find this extra shed in a fish market.
0: Excellent. like it's not yeah. gonna work out yeah so we cut it off really quick and we started putting all our energy into just building our own client list because you hire hga you're paying for a service mm-hmm. not our time but a result yeah you want an app to be made we're not going to tell you that we worked 60 hours on it this week no we're going to have our deliverables and you're going to be happy with result
1: and i mean really other than look at us we're so cool we spent so much time on your project yeah as
0: you actually probably want the quality to stay up and it to be done relatively quick and then you know we're pretty freaking efficient (laughs) for real (laughs) Um, i spent
1: 120 hours on this this week you're probably exhausted and the quality is probably horrible exactly
0: oh geez Because, yeah, it's a lot easier to find work when we promise the result, not ours, because we can give you an exact quote for a project. And we do feature-based pricing, so you're not sitting there thinking like, well, did I get my money's worth this week? Did they really work 40 hours? Like, they billed me for 40 hours, did I really get my 40 hours worth? Like, it doesn't matter.
1: Yeah, and every hourly situation I've ever been in, that has... Always, in one way or another, come up mm-hmm. like with a client, to the point of there was this one client, and this was not aI was under delivering or anything thing. this was just how things worked out with clients on hourly. One client asked me if I would be willing to install tracking software so that during my work day they could check in and make sure that I was at my computer working, and I'm just like, "What, why what?" First off, do you think you're my only client? And second off, no, you can't see my screen. Because that was (laughs) another thing they asked for. What if I've got another client's stuff open? And third, if you're getting what you asked for, what's the big deal here? And on top of that, um, Chris Doe, actually, another person that I follow, had really good advice on the whole hourly situation and this exact thing. If somebody's working hourly and it takes them... 40 hours of work to do something. Are you just as happy with it if they work 60 hours on the thing? Like if you're getting what you're looking for, are you valuing the end result or do you want to make sure that they're sweating for the 60 hours? Right. Because the way that he phrased it was, if I quote you for 40 hours for something and it only takes me 30, should I charge you for less for the same result? And the guy was like, well, absolutely. That saves me money. And he's like, cool. What if it takes me 80 hours? Should I bill you for that? Well, uh, I mean, um, I guess. But that's not really what we agreed on. And it's okay. So you value the end result.
0: Not the amount of time. time. Exactly. (laughs) Like, look, we love what we do, but we also do do it for money. So we have to put food on the table and all of that. So when you start nickel and diming and not (laughs) trusting who you're working with, like it's hard, it's hard as a freelancer. So my
1: wife really gets excited when I tell her we can eat this week.
0: (laughs) (laughs) Well, the way I look at it is the way we give back is just delivering our clients, a quality project that matches or exceeds their expectations. At the end of the day, that's all you care about. Like we will deliver you a project. That can scale as your user base grows and mm-hmm. you have a quality app. You have everything that you paid for, you know, any add, any add-ons? No, you were fantastic. Great job. Oh, thanks. And all right. So to sign this off, we, like there's this guy I follow called Bradley and he posts stuff. Uh, he's, he's not a freelancer or anything. Dude just knows how, how sales work and all that stuff but it always has like really good like one-liners or like two sentences that really just like stick with you and he he once goes you can tell people you do things three ways fast cheap and good and then he you tell them that you can pick two and they'll say well cheap and good and then you say okay but it won't be fast and then they'll instantly shift and say all right fast and good And then, well, it won't be cheap. cheap. Yeah. And so that is how it works when you hire an expertise to do something. Yeah. You want and expect quality work out of.
1: And typically when you're going with these platforms, um, it sucks for the freelancer, but it also sucks for the person hiring because what you're likely going to end up with, um, especially when the freelancers are stuck underbidding each other and trying to cut costs, they're cutting corners too. So it's very rare that you're gonna end up with cheap and good off of these platforms. You're gonna end up with cheap and fast. Right. And so nobody wins here.
0: Nobody wins. You have a software project you outgrow really quick, Mm -hmm. or it just doesn't even scale, and you rebuild it before you even get out (laughs) of beta.
1: (laughs) And then you're stuck spending all of the money that you were gonna spend anyways, plus whatever you paid this right. other
0: person. Oh, that's another thing we'll get a lot too. Um, and I feel for these people. And like anyone that goes through the mistake of hiring a bad developer, it sucks, which is why we started this podcast to help people avoid that, right? It's what they get. But <laughs> just kidding. <laughs> well, but they'll, they'll almost be like, well, I already put 20 grand into this. And like, I'm sorry, but like you're not getting a $20,000 discount. <laughs> oh, well,
1: if you've already put in... Put twenty thousand dollars into the universal developer fund yeah like let me just go withdraw that i don't
0: be like oh well do you have a code base that we can work off of and it's usually a no like
1: well even when it's a yes
0: it's usually not going to be good yeah and we'll look at it we always entertain the idea that they have good code
1: like if there's a way for us to use it yeah. eff- effectively and still get the same result then sure by all means right like a class written by somebody else is the same as a class written by me if it's done correctly yeah like and that's fine but most of the time what you're getting is subpar quality work done quickly and then they abandoned you exactly or it didn't work
0: so there you have it freelancing the race to the bottom we all lose (laughs) (laughs) just don't do it don't do it don't do it i know it's a big scary world but you can figure it out jacob loves racing to those bottoms I love racing on the bottom. Wait.